The reason I'm making this series of videos is because a lot of ex-vegans message me who got sick from this diet. <laughs> and when they talk to vegans about it, they get called names. <laughs> they get judged for being the victim. That's what's actually going on. That's how mentally ill these people are. <laughs> There's so much disinformation and all of them simply believe it. They just swallow it. And the people who got sick, they don't have a voice. Nobody speaks up for them. Nobody wants to hear about it, especially the vegans. <laughs> oh, a huge ant. Let's taste ant. Tastes like nothing. <laughs> I already talked enough about nutrients, especially in the documentary the NWO diet it's very well explained but I want to talk about B12 a little bit <laughs> once again there's this delusional lie going on in the community that it used to be found in the water and the soil what the fuck <laughs> the only reason you would find it there is because of carcasses and shit from animals <laughs> B12 is one of the many nutrients that you're not getting. Trying to supplement any of them is futile. I made a video about it, link will be in the description. <laughs> All you do is support Big Pharma. <laughs> you certainly don't support nature in any way whatsoever because you go completely against nature and you slowly kill yourself by doing that. B12 is produced by the bacteria in the digestive tract of animals that eat mostly plants such as leaves, flowers, branches, stuff that no human would ever eat. So they require it. <laughs> we don't. We couldn't possibly do that. <laughs> we don't have any bacteria in the stomach. <laughs> what do you not understand about that? Animals like us, who have the same digestive tract as dogs, eat the meat to get the B12. <laughs> and the reason these vegans are aging like horseshit is because they don't get any carnosine. They eat a high carbohydrate, aka a high sugar diet, <laughs> idiots. <laughs> and what happens? Glycation. So they don't get this nutrient that fights glycation. Of course you will age quickly. <laughs> Here is two guys who are from uh, from Vintuk, who when the war was declared Second World War, they decided they didn't want to be interned because they were German, so they went and lived in the desert for five years and lived as, as so-called primitive people. And in the book, this is what one of the chapters says, end of a baboon, it was a big day for us when we big bagged the first fat zebra, for we had an indescribable longing for fat. And now the grazing was becoming more lush, the game was getting plump. During our own shortage of fat, we were reminded of the Bushman's idea of heaven. Now remember that the, the Bushmen are the original people who lived in the caves at, at Pinnacle Point. Or, or sorry, they were the progenitors of the Bushmen. When a Bushman dies, he wanders over a stony, stony waste until he comes to the heavenly kraal, which is fenced in by thorn bushes. At the entrance hang a, hangs a gourd full of warm fat, and next to it a scoop. Before he enters heaven, the Bushman may drink as much fat as he likes. Such is heaven to the Bushman, for he lives on the edge of the wilderness and usually in great hardship. 
When we first heard this legend, it struck us a mere curiosity. Now that we've had some personal experience of life in the desert, we could see the point. For two days, our big iron pot was on the embers, full of juicy rib pieces, etc., etc., etc. Humans have a natural desire to eat fat, and we took it away from them. In 1977, we declared fat was off limits, and that was the beginning of the problem. And this is what Sir Stefanson wrote in 1920. There was a time when fat was a much more important element that is now in the diet of the Europeans. That was before the time of sugar. 400 years ago, ordinary sugar was unknown in Europe, and the amount eaten in the form of honey or sweet fruits was negligible when compared with the present-day huge consumption. 300 years ago, sugar was the luxury of kings, and 200 years ago, it was a rarity in the diet of the ordinary man. Even with our own, within our own time, the per capita income has increased. And this article, food, which some people imagine to be a prime necessity and which others even think to be essential to health, is really a newcomer, etc. But as sugar has increased in favor, fat has lost caste. The relation between the two has always been reciprocal. The more sugar, the less fat. And that's what we see. If you take fat out the diet, you have to replace it with sugar or people won't eat it. And that's been, as I will indicate, one of the great problems that when we took fat out the diet, we replaced it with sugar. But more to the point that humans have a natural desire to eat fat. But when you're raised on a sugary diet, you'll, you'll focus on the sugar and not the fat. And then he makes the point that even in, in Africa, when a hippopotamus was shot, then people would go, would start to eat it. Well, that was the next one. In tropical Africa, I've seen it, the killing, in, when the hippopotamus is killed, they cut off the fat in quivering strips and eat it until they are ill. So it may be necessary to seek another explanation than the standard one for the need for fat in cold climates to explain the polar bear's peculiar habit of stripping the fat off a seal. So the point is that even in Africa, in equatorial Africa, where it's hot, the people there love to eat fat. What's funny is listening to vegans trying to explain to people how milk comes from cows or goats or camels, whatever milk you drink, and it's made for the babies. <laughs> when they talk about it, it sounds like that was an epiphany to them. They just figured it out. <laughs> you sound like absolute fucking retarded morons when you talk like that, <laughs> because everybody figured it out <laughs> when they were babies. Everybody understands this. So when you try to explain that to people, <laughs> They think you're fucking retarded. <laughs> but humans are lactose intolerant. No, we aren't. The reason we are now is because we drink pasteurized milk. <laughs> There's enzymes in raw milk <laughs> that you use to digest the milk. And we drink milk and make dairy products because we can. How do you imagine another animal making a farm and making cheese? No animal can do that. <laughs> if you believe that no other animal drinks the milk of other animals, then you're wrong. <laughs> You've been deceived once again. <laughs> when animals adopt other animals, they actually do let them drink the milk. And that's what we can do also with our babies. There's always two things pointed out by vegans in their blood tests and studies. <laughs> Both things <laughs> are so wrong. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> it's weight loss and cholesterol. <laughs> weight loss, firstly, has nothing in any way whatsoever to do with health. If anything, it's a sign that you're unhealthy because you're starving. 
That's what weight loss is. It's nothing that you would want in nature. <laughs> it means that you're not getting enough nutrients or in the case of vegans, they are not absorbing the nutrients from these plants. <laughs> it means that your digestion is fucked up. <laughs> you're very unhealthy if you're losing weight. <laughs> Whatever culture you look at around the world, People used whatever animal fats were available to them at the time and they prized them. These were the most prized foods and considered the most healthy foods. And indeed, they are. Because the kind of oils, oily uh, fatty acid molecules that they are composed of are stable and strong and they do not get changed by heat, by solvents. My grandmother didn't use to wash her frying pan. She reused the fat again and again, and that's a perfectly healthy practice. These animal fats, when we look at their chemical composition, it is very similar to the chemical composition of our own fat in our bodies. They're very compatible with our human physiology. But to go a step further, let's look at the composition of human breast milk. Breast milk is the best food for human baby. And it's a healing food that is legendary if you look at Greek legends and other um, ancient legends that starving people and people who were on the brink of death, when they consumed breast milk, if there was a woman who was breastfeeding a baby at that point, and if she would volunteer to give her milk to that person, they recovered much quicker. Because the composition of breast milk is so beautiful for the human physiology, so healing, um, it virtually doesn't need digesting. When we look at the proportions of fats and cholesterol in the human breast milk, it is very similar to lamb fat and beef fat and to lard. It's largely saturated, then a portion of it is monounsaturated, and only a tiny proportion will have polyunsaturated fatty acids. We all thrived on that composition of fats for millions of years beautifully. Does South Africa go and ask um, Bangladesh to teach us how to play rugby. No, we go to New Zealand. But yet, we <laughs> but when we ask for dietary guidelines, we go to the United States, which is the most obese nation in the world. It doesn't make sense. And these guidelines, I'm obviously going to summarize them briefly. Make starchy foods the basis of most meals, and that fits with the US dietary guidelines. Eat plenty of vegetables and fruits every day. And I've got no complaint with the proper vegetables, but fruits are a problem because they they're high in carbohydrate and, and sometimes fructose, but they aren't high in nutrients, as I will show you. Eat fat sparingly, so the advice again is to reduce carbs. And what I'm going to show you in any insulin-resistant population, this is the perfect prescription for obesity and type 2 diabetes. But what insulin resistance does is cause you to become very sick, whether you're obese or whether you're lean, and ingesting a high-carbohydrate diet. So it's slightly different com component. So we've got the abnormal apostat function, which is driving obesity, and then we've got insulin resistance, which is making you really sick. And you can be insulin resistant without being fat. So the apostat might be working properly, but you're still dying because you're insulin resistant eating a high carbohydrate diet. In the bloodstream, we only have a tiny amount of glucose. And a great emphasis was made on how important glucose is to our survival and so on. Well, it's really interesting that we contain so little glucose in the bloodstream. If glucose is such a crucial component for our health, why do we have so little of it in the bloodstream? But the reality is to keep the brain going, 
God or whomever decided that you just need five little grams of glucose in the bloodstream. That's all. The human has evolved to get rid of the carbohydrate as quickly as possible because it's toxic. High, high glucose levels are toxic. So what the body does is it increases, allows the blood glucose to rise a little bit and then it excretes insulin from the pancreas. And so after the meal, within the first 15 minutes or so, what happens in your body is that you have circulating now lots of glucose and lots of insulin. And it's that combination which now is going to drive the storage of that carbohydrate throughout the body. And the first site that is impinged is the liver. And the liver is going to take up that carbohydrate and store it some as glucose or glycogen, and, but most of it is going to be converted to fat. And particularly if you had sugar in your tea, sugar contains fructose and the only thing that fructose can be converted is to triglyceride in the liver. That's it. <laughs> that is the best news ever. I yeah. am never going to have a heart attack. You're not going to die of a heart attack or a stroke, that's for that's sure. That's awesome. <laughs> and the rest, the liver starts to convert that carbohydrate into fat and exports the fat to the fat cells where they're going to store the excess carbohydrate that can't be immediately stored in the liver or in the muscles because there's a small, there's small capacity. So that fat storage occurs because of the hormone insulin. And insulin is the fat building hormone. It's critically important to understand that because we hear a lot of people talk about obesity and if they don't measure insulin, mention insulin as the first hormone of importance, they're missing the point. So insulin drives the fat into the fat cells, but it, it's worse because it also prevents the fat from being used. So whenever your fat cells, your carbohydrates, sorry, whenever your insulin levels are high, you prevent the fat from being used as a fuel and you just burn the carbohydrate that you've recently eaten. The first recorded heart attack in America, a lot of us don't know this, was in 1921. Prior to 1921, there was no recorded heart attack in a hospital. I mean, isn't that amazing? Um, yet today there's like 700,000 a year. So what happened from 1921 to current day? Uh, what happened was massive change in how we eat and our food supply. The ideal way to lose weight is to do a ketogenic diet. That way you don't starve yourself from any micronutrients, <laughs> which is exactly what happens on a vegan diet. <laughs> Your body starts eating itself because it's not getting vitamins and other nutrients. So it breaks down saturated fat to get to vitamins A, D and K2. How else would it get them? And you deplete your liver stores. Is that a sign of health? <laughs> it's a sign that you're closer to death. <laughs> Your body is fucked. <laughs> How do you not understand this? If you go on starvation diets and lose weight, you're not healthy. <laughs> if you do a ketogenic diet, <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> you get all the micronutrients. You only starve yourself from macronutrients, which always happens if you lose weight. But that's because you're satiated. <laughs> you don't feel as hungry, so you don't eat as much and you lose any excess fat. <laughs> Secondly, about cholesterol, there's a billion studies proving that the lower your cholesterol is, the shorter your life is going to be. 100% guaranteed. So all the people <laughs> 
believing that they have lower cholesterol because they are healthy, you're absolutely fucked in your head. <laughs> you're ignorant as hell. <laughs> you're going to die early and you're going to get heart disease. Not only because of that, but because of all the insulin. This is all guaranteed. <laughs> and then what happens to that carbohydrate? It's converted under the effect of insulin to fat in the liver. And that's non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And that is the biological basis for the atherogenic dyslipidemia. So I'm going to show you that it's the presence of NAFLD, which is caused by carbohydrates in the diet, that causes the, the atherogenic dyslipidemia. What does the diet heart hypothesis say? The diet heart hypothesis says that you eat fat, convert it to cholesterol, clogs your arteries. Not so. You eat carbohydrate, it's converted into these abnormal lipoproteins, causes heart disease. And that's why we had to spend so much time yesterday discussing the diet heart hypothesis and why there was no evidence for it. All the evidence, when you look at it, with an, with an open mind is that it's carbohydrates that drive the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease which then cause the atherogenic dyslipidemia which then damages the arteries over the years and causes the arterial disease which we recognize as type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease and cerebrovascular disease. Let's start with the association between cholesterol and deaths CVD, all cause, what do you want? For men and women, not just for seven countries or for however many countries you want to pick, but for all 192 countries for which there is data available at the World Health Organization. I did this a few years ago on a Saturday afternoon. It doesn't actually take very long. On the link, I've explained how you could do it. Um, this is men and cardiovascular disease deaths. And you can see that it's just a very slight downwards trend line but basically saying the higher your cholesterol, the lower the death rate. The lower your cholesterol, the higher the death rate. It's only very slight, and for the statisticians, they're not terribly exciting, but it's not doing that, which is what we're told it should do. This is now women and cardiovascular disease deaths. It's getting quite a bit steeper. I've stuck the UK on just for interest. Um, we're pretty low on the death rate, and pretty, well, I think we're pretty low on cholesterol, actually, but there we go. Um, then we go to all deaths, and it's getting steeper again. This is men and all-cause mortality. Essentially, you do not want low cholesterol if you want to stay alive for a long period of time, on the evidence of 192 countries in the world. And women and all deaths, whoa, we really, really, really do not want low cholesterol, women. This is not a good position to be in. Now, Malcolm Kendrick has shown people those slides, and... Doctors have said, oh my goodness, it's even worse than we feared. And, and he said, did you look at which way round they were? And they still can't change the mindset. The Eskimos eat 90% of their diet in the form of saturated fat. Um, this is documented scientific fact, and they had no heart disease. The more your body's burning fat for fuel, the more you're getting saturated fat, the healthier you are. The more you're burning sugar and the less cholesterol and the less saturated fat, the lower your energy is going to be and the less hormones you're going to have. And this is, this is, this is biology 101. And the difference is that carnivores categorize a species for at which, at which at least 20% of the energy content of the diet comes from meat. And that's really important because people say humans are not carnivores because we eat things other than meat. Well, that's true, but as long as you're eating 20% of the diet from meat, you are classified as a carnivore. The so-called civilized man 
is the only chronically sick animal on the planet. So I'm sort of driving back to Wales, thinking, mm, what's my first meat going to be? Um, and it suddenly occurred to me, is this because man is the only species clever enough to make his own food, but stupid enough to eat it? <laughs> Thank you for listening. This is bone marrow, plucked from a swordfish's spine. Swordfish marrow? Oh, yeah. I've never eaten this before. Check that out. You like that? Go ahead, you can kiss me right there. <laughs> that is incredible. Not fatty, not bloody, just clean, brisk, and gelatinous. It's like seafood cotton candy. It's cold, it's refreshing, it doesn't... I would not guess that it's from anything no. in the ocean. No, there's no fish flavor in that at all. If you would do a study and compare a raw meat eater, aka a natural human, to a vegan, <laughs> What do you think would happen? <laughs> the vegan, in comparison, would look like the most unhealthy human ever. <laughs> but what about processed meat? I was told it is bad for me. Again, you look retarded when you say that. <laughs> Everybody already figured it out. Processed food is shit. It has nothing to do with the food, it's the process. Because processed fruit, vegetables, grains are all cancerogenic. <laughs> it's nothing new. <laughs> If you fry an apple or a banana, the brown part will be cancerogenic. Any crust of any bread, any cookies, also any fried meat. <laughs> because humans are not designed to eat that kind of food, so our cells will have to mutate. <laughs> of course, if you eat fruit in general, in excess, you will also get cancer simply because of the sugar. Our cells are made from saturated fat and cholesterol. That's all that it wants. And atherosclerosis anyway. <laughs> That's guaranteed from fructose. <laughs> so we can say 100% that humans should not eat any plant energy, which is sugar. 